Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, September 9th, we look at Lesson 11, Practicing Supreme Loyalty to Christ. Together, let's illuminate a dark subject of slavery and ill-parenting in the lens and light of Christ. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, here we are, Michael, Lesson 11, Practicing Supreme Loyalty to Christ. This is preparation for September 9th, and our memory text is coming from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9, the NIV. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Uh, I was sharing with you, Michael, I know that this brings up a little bit of controversy as we're talking about the subject matter, but we can't get a fact that there was an actual historical uh, precedence that took place of indentured servitude, bond servitude, whatever you want to call it, slavery, and to look at it in today's lens and, and how it fits into our lives today is actually important, I, I believe. And it also helps us to not repeat history by understanding what's happened in the past. And I, I think the lesson does a good job of especially trying to do that. As a matter of fact, here at the bottom of the lesson, today in our time and culture, our important challenge is to read Ephesians 6, 1 through 9 in the context of the full story of salvation as is revealed in the complete Bible. What we can learn as much as we watch Paul apply the values of the gospel to the flawed social structures of his day. And we have flawed social structures today as well. And applying the gospel to that rather than trying to circumvent is what we're called to do. Absolutely. And there's just nothing more tragic. And and you're right. You know, you can't just pretend that some history didn't happen. Uh, and I, I think it's actually kind of interesting in the intro, there's a reference to the, the Bible in the Museum of the Bible. If you're, anyone's ever in D.C., that's that's worthwhile spending some time there, where in order to justify slavery, they were to prevent the potential insurrection of, of slaves that, that one particular Bible where they, and I've actually seen this Bible where they <laughs> deleted a whole bunch of the Bible so that they could have and be able to justify a particular point of view. Diving right in here on on you know we we start with children. How do children relate to parents? And that's yes. uh, here in chapter six, verses one through three, the beginning of this. It's a really brief passage, and of course, every parent loves this passage, right? <laughs> children, <laughs> obey your parents in the yes. Lord, where this is right. The end. Awesome. Let's just go home. Children, obey your parents. That's it. That's it. It's, it's leave it at that. And. I, I think this is important for us to remember that, you know, we talked with Dr. McVeigh, the primary principal contributor at the very beginning about, you know, these these kinds of codes and everything else, right? And but I think it's important here, obey your parents in the Lord right. for this, right? And so it's not just a, a blank check that's here that there's there's something here that's meant to be relational, right? And And as it relates to building up and pointing to Jesus Christ. And the passage goes on, it quotes, of course, the commandment, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you 
and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And there's something, again, that's that's so important that's interconnected. We know that those interconnections can also go for the for the ill, if you please, you know, the the sins of you know, from generation to generation. <laughs> that you see this uh, referred to in scripture. And, and we, of course, experience that. I, I see these things and I look in my life and I'm like, oh, I get that from my parents or grandparents or whatever, you know, these, these kinds of habits, not even necessarily bad things, but just, it's just a part of who we are. But the, the best kinds of relationships are intergenerational relationships where through parents and children and grandparents and grandchildren that these are, are important. They're an important part of a fabric of our lives. And so we're invited to, to build up the kingdom of God through the relationships that we have. And I think we need to remember that. It's, that's just, again, absolutely essential to the, that relationship. And it's not only just right. children respecting their parents, but, but parents get a little bit of this advice too. Yeah, they do. And I'm glad you brought that up, Michael, because it actually, I think I love this contrast because it causes us to read Ephesians 6, 4, which is, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Some of your versions will also say in nurture and, and admonition of the Lord. Colossians 3, 21, fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Colossians 3, 21, fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And it contrasts it with Sirach 30. Uh, and Sirach is from Ben Sirah, who some people are saying, why is he not in the Bible? Well, he is self-proclaimed author, not a prophet, but this is the Jewish mindset of the day. And this is what he wrote. And this is a, a text coming from, I think it's 100 to 200. And he sh shares this, he who, love, he who loves his son will whip him often. Pamper a child and he will terrorize you. Play with him and he will grieve you. Discipline your son and make his yoke heavy so that you may be uh, so you may not be offended by his shamelessness. And you can see there immediately the contrast of what Paul is saying. And actually, it's not Paul. It's the Holy Spirit through Paul sharing a different mindset and viewpoint of parenting, of what it should look like. The mindset of the day is. Burden your children heavily, be hard-fisted, pound them into the ground so that out, out of the ashes will come up this phoenix. Well, this is a little bit different. This is saying, no, with love, discipline your child, with nurture, with admonition, and raising them up as Christ is raising us, if you will, as God the Father is raising us, the Holy Spirit's working with us. Work with your children, love on them. I doesn't mean that it's devoid of discipline, but that discipline, just as God does with us, is done in love uh, and helping children to understand that it's a better environment. It's, it's devoid of fear, right? He, he, wants, he wants this relationship with the father, wants a relationship with humanity, and he wants fathers to have this relationship with their children. He wants mothers to have relationships with their children. And, and so as, as I'm reading this, is asking this, what motivation does this provide for avoiding irritating one's children? Well, it, it's, it's pretty simple. It's, it's making sure that our viewpoint is aligned with what it should be. Our stewardship is not just about our finances and about our homes and our, our things that we have. The greatest stewards, uh, the greatest thing that we can steward is actually what God has entrusted us with, which is our relationships that we have. 
And for those of us who are blessed to have children, and even those of you who are who don't have children, uh, I'm not saying that, oh, you don't have any blessings. What I'm sharing is that you still have relationships in your lives that God is asking you to be a good steward of. And he's asking you to, to, to act in those, in those relationships as though he would act. I know that proper say that, that proper saying that has gone to the wayside now, what would Jesus do? But it is something that he's calling us to do and live out. What would Jesus do? What would he have been like if you were a father? He wasn't a biological father, but he is uh, acting as father, brother, and so many different things to so many of us. And he's saying, now go forth with the same characteristics, with the same character as I would have. That's what you're called to be if you're going to be my disciple. And so, Michael, it's not just about advice to parents. Now we transition over to slavery in Paul's day. Share with us. So this is the controversial part, right? <laughs> That every yes, you know, we've had several of our pastor friends that have been talking about this. Like, how do we, how do we approach this in a way that is both sensitive but also historically recognizes the the challenges that have existed? And and of course, we think in in ministry, but long before in the first century, slavery was a big deal. And by the way, I, I want to preface because our listeners, if you want a really good resource, a really good resource on understanding slavery in the first century. There's there's a neat book that was published just a couple of years ago by a New Testament scholar, John Byron, and, and it's titled simply A Week in the Life of a Slave. And it's talking about Anesimus, and it's kind of a narrative kind of thing, you know, and 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 of course that's a, a whole different, you know, story, you know, but it's still addressing the topic of slavery. And if you want something that'd be really fun. So if you're looking to enrich your, you know, biblical knowledge or maybe to share with your Sabbath school class, uh, check that out. That's going to really open your eyes so that uh, when you read the story of Onesimus, uh, that will just completely give you a new perspective. But verses that's, that's five, a good one, Michael. Yeah, verses five through nine, we've got this passage here. That's the, the focus. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Now, I want to point out here, this is so far directed at the slaves themselves. And what uh, Dr. McVeigh talked about at the beginning when we uh, interviewed him was this is the radical part is verse nine. And I'm going to read this now because uh, there's slave codes that exist that demand obedience. But this is very intriguing and unique. Verse nine and masters treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. So the first thing I want to point out is what I think the Apostle Paul is making very clear. Whatever exists right now in terms of slavery in the first century, it's not going to exist in heaven, right? So there's no right. favoritism. So this whatever human hierarchies and structures, whatever those look like, that's not the kingdom of God. And then the other thing I think that's really significant is, you know, he, well, he's talking about slaves obey your masters. Uh, we've talked about this, but uh, he uses the analogy of devotion to Christ. And, and this is a little bit 
a little bit tricky because oftentimes we see slavery in the worst sense possible, and it is to be abhorred. I don't would not want to in any way condone it. But I think what I think what and you have to tell help me out here, Buster. But I think what he's trying to say he's talking about being fully devoted and giving yes. one's all in full devotion. And and that and if there is a positive sense, I, I think that's what he's trying to draw an analogy that we are slaves of Christ, that we are fully devoted to Christ. Or sometimes some translations use the word because the Greek here is doulos. Sometimes servant might be a little bit better to to kind of help with with understanding this. But the idea that we're as servants of God, maybe that's a a more <laughs> palatable or easier way to kind of get the idea I think that Paul's trying to give us. And and I mean that with all due respect, but devoting ourselves completely to God. And and then verse nine, this is the the kicker is is flipping this on its head uh, in, in, a, in a system, in a culture where slavery is is not only allowed, but is is, you know, it's pervasive, right, within the culture. Uh, and then he says, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. In other words, that relationship is twofold. Slaves are made in the image of God because they are human beings. And so they deserve and must be treated with, with respect. And I think Absolutely. that's what he's saying. And, and that's the most radical part of this verse. That's what just stands out to me as truly countercultural, if, if, if you would, you know, but I, I I'm starting to get into your place. It's, part, it's perfect. Busters. Oh yeah. So Michael, uh, you actually help me because as, as you're reading and as you're sharing, it helps me because you gave the theological foundation. I, I want to give a, a worldview point that I think will bring it home, which is in their day, homelessness, uh, people who are extremely poor, they had this opportunity to take their entire family and say, I want to be bound to you rather than to starve. And there are some people who are gracious with this, and there's some people who exploited this. And in today's world, we have, I mean, I went to California here recently to visit family and the tent cities that are in places like LA or San Diego, they're, they're in places, yeah. Seattle, I know that they, they suffer and they struggle with it, where people are being exploited, right? But there's also people where they're exploiting the system too, right? There, you still see this. And and I'm, I'm not getting back to like, oh, maybe we should go back to, to indentured servitude. But, but imagine if Christians were kind enough to actually obey what Christ is saying here and saying, you know what, I'm going to actually, and this is, this is radical. I'm going to open up my home to a homeless family that has nowhere to go. And, you know, it's, I know they don't have any money to pay for pay, pay me. So I'm going to allow them to contribute to the household. And when they get back on their feet, they're allowed to go. And then you have some who will say, no, I'm going to take them. I'm going to lock them down in my basement. I'm going to treat them harshly. Right. And, and so you kind of see here the, the different contrasts. I'm just trying to bring it into our world today of what it what it might actually look like that was happening back then, because I think because of our rough history as a nation of what slavery was. And trust me, they weren't reading all of this <laughs> slave masters. So they dealt harshly and they treated African-Americans as less than a, when 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 freedom was coming about, they looked at us as three fifths, two fifths, whatever it might be uh, of a man. So therefore, we were never going to be equal. But Christ, Paul is telling them, telling them, no, you're called to look at your slaves as equal, which is 
it's mind-boggling, right? Uh, these these poor people, how can they be equal? Well, because their identity is not found in what they have. Their identity is found in who they're created in the image of, and that is the image of God. And the Imagio okay. Day, we're going back to it, that is what brings about equality. It's not about what I have or what position I have or what title I have. It's about the fact that you and I, as well as the homeless people that we pass on the street, are created in the image of God. And that's the value we need to see in them. And and so, Michael, you, like I said, you laid down the theological foundation, and I want to bring it to that idea. But please finish this off here with Thursday's lesson, Masters Who Are Slaves. Yeah, absolutely. So, which verse nine, I mean, I just went ahead and dived in there, but asked the question, if you were a Christian slave master listening to Ephesians, because this was a letter, it would have been read in church, right? How would you have reacted when you heard that counsel in verse nine about, and that, that's that portion that we've been just talking about, about treat your slaves, masters, treat your slaves in the same way. And and I, I think this is very, very interesting. You know, I, you try to put yourselves in, in the past and in, in, in different kinds of situations. And it's very easy to idealize yourself that you're always in the best possible situation. But but if you were in this particular situation, I I think that I think it would show and demonstrate the radical nature of one's beliefs because theology isn't about how the mere ideas themselves, but the praxis. How do you live it out in your everyday lives? Mm. And I think that if you're a slave master and you're hearing this and saying, you know what, I want everyone and commit to, you know, all of you who are my slaves to treat you as God has asked me to, to as, as the children of Christ and to value you and, and those kinds of relationships in a way that would show the countercultural nature of Christianity in the most radical way possible, I think. So would. I, I think it would be. You know, the, the problem is, is that our human natures are selfish to the core and God just wants us to surrender those natures and give them to him. And, and so I, I, I just think that that's really, you know, that's, that's really the heart of the gospel is surrendering our lives to Jesus and rich or poor slave or free or the slave master. God wants to save all of us. And uh, so, yeah, it would have been very radical, very countercultural, and would be looking at the kingdom of God that moves beyond the existing socioeconomic structures to look at ways that can, can change, can change the way people relate to each other. I tell you, if I were a slave in the first century, uh, based on what the Apostle Paul's writing here, I tell you, I would want to work for a Christian master, be a slave to a Christian master, than a non-Christian one, because this just sounds, you know, so incredibly different and profoundly better, you know, to have someone that values you as a human being. Of course, we would all wish and want that all injustice and all slavery and all of these ills and just wish that that would all go away. And we know it will. We know yes. it will. We can do that promise. But until that day comes... And we may not have slavery, although I understand that there is, you know, especially women who are exploited. Yes. Uh, I think sexually, there's there's a lot of different forms of slavery, economic slavery in certain parts of the world. You talk about homelessness. There is at its foundation, all of this, whatever form, and it's not to minimize in the slightest chattel slavery or, you know, human slavery itself. 
it's all evil. It's anti antithetical to the gospel of God. And so we we must see and understand that God wants to change whatever situation we're in and to reframe it within a view of the kingdom of God. And I think that's what would have been radical if I were sitting there listening to this letter and say, yes, I need to make sure that I treat these as my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is in itself powerful, I think. Right. Uh, Michael, I couldn't have said any better. And hopefully we move forward with the fact and the call of being filled with the Holy Spirit, which brings that love, joy, peace, all those, all those different things, because this is the way that God has called us to live. He has, he has. And, you know, this is why it comes back to the beginning here. Our loyalty is to Christ and our loyalty is to Christ. It, we're going to keep our eyes on Christ. We're going to continually growing. And wherever situation we find ourselves in today, it's going to challenge us and say, you know, that's antithetical to the kingdom of God. And I need to change the way I relate to that person or the way that I relate to the world around me. And well, with that, I think we've covered it. We're getting to the end of another quarter. Hard to believe, Buster. We're yeah, ready for next quarter. So thanks for listening to Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. And until next week, this is Soup. It's Whoops. Signing, Signing out. out. As we wrap up, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Adventist Learning Community, a ministry of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. You can join us each week by subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible. And be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, SabbathSchoolRescue.org, for each weekly episode.